podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. On the Front Burner puts two no-nonsense culinary professionals on air discussing tough industry topics, interviewing fascinating food personalities, and providing penetrating looks at the industry that we love. We don't always agree and often provide compelling personal insights from a unique combination of life experiences. You know, it's a lively give and take. It's by no means conventional. Elaine owns Sweet Cheeks Baking Company and is a winner of the Food Network's Cupcake Wars and Fabulous Cakes. A seasoned industry professional, she is a cake designer and a certified sommelier. Don is a chef, an award-winning journalist, and a culinary educator. Together we take a not-always-pretty, sometimes-funny, and always-entertaining look at the world of food and beverage. Hello and welcome to On the Front Burner. I'm Don Williamson. And I'm Elaine Ordizzoni. It's so good to be here today again. If you yeah, it's great. Um, we just talked about beef and now we're going to go to another favorite topic of mine. And mine. And that's wine. And mine. And mine. And mine. And wine, mine. Is wine. mine is wine. Mine is wine. Right. In ca- <laughs> and in case all of you didn't know, and I know I've said it often enough, not only is um, Elaine the owner of a fabulous bakery that has national reputation. She's also a sommelier, and the woman knows her wine. She didn't bring me any today. I know, but the I'm woman so bad. knows her wine. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> and recently, Elaine went on a cruise where she, where her job was to show people that it's not all about California wine. It's not all about big Napa cabs, that you should drink the wine where you are. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit about that. And Elaine, we're going to switch and I'm going to interview you today. I know. Isn't that so weird not to have a guest? It is. Ah! So tell me about this cruise and how it came about and where and where it went and we'll go from there. All right. We'll do that quickly. It was absolutely amazing. First of all, it was an amazing experience for me. I am generally uh, working with cake every day these days in my life. So to get back into wine... Um, in a professional level was so wonderful. So a very close friend of mine for years um, works big events, big trips for big companies. So one of her top clients was doing this cruise. That was a private charter. Cruise held about 260 passengers. So it wasn't one of the huge lines, but Silver Seas Cruise Line was wonderful. Uh, Way out of my normal budget. So I was grateful. Um, She knew that they needed more onboard ship activities. So she thought this would be a great way to do something cool, something she likes to do, things that are very relevant to the area. The boat was going through Italy. So she said, you know, what do you think? Could you get away and and teach some classes on board for these clients? And I said, well, let me talk to my team. And thank God my team is amazing. And they said, Elaine, this is not an opportunity you can pass up. So off I went away from Sweet Cheeks uh, Baking and started planning this trip. And um, we started in Rome. And we were supposed to sail down to Sorrento first uh, with lots of high waves. We were not able to anchor, so they had to pull up anchor and go right back to Naples. So we had one random day in Naples and then down to Sorrento, then on to Termina, Sicily, to actually uh, Giardini Noxos is actually the beach area right around from Termina. Then over to Corsica, then um, over to Livorno, which is uh, the Tuscan coast, and then back down to Rome. And I want you to know that she did not take her podcast host on this trip. 
<laughs> Nor did she take her husband, and I have been <laughs> brutally <laughs> hurt for that one. But it was just not that kind of trip. It was work. It was hard, hard work. <laughs> and you said there were about 260 people on board. There were about 260 passengers. 260 passengers. Yes. And how many crew would you say? I Honestly, I think there were about 200 crew. Wow, that's almost yeah, one crew member was, per passenger. I think that's why you pay the big bucks to go on cruises like it, that. I mean, it was just the service level is insane. The food is amazing. And they are just so constantly ready to help you. And you, I couldn't walk through. I couldn't leave the buffet without five people trying to take my plate to carry it to my seat. And I was <laughs> walking 20 feet as I can carry my little plate. But And, and yeah. just for all of us who want to be totally jealous now, how much... <laughs> Do you think this cruise costs? I'm going to say, I think it was between about eight and 10 grand a person. Way out of my budget. Oh, way out of my budget, too. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what you did. Okay. So what we did was we, um, Pam and I planned these, uh, we we created a whole logo for it. Uh, It was called the Leaders Club, and um, it was all about learning wine of the regions. So here we were in Italy, we focused exclusively on Italian wine. For the classes, and then we also created what were called sailaways. So, for instance, we're as we're leaving Taormina, we everyone goes on the observation deck or one of the big decks, and we would pour wines from uh, the next region that we were going to, and everyone would kind of check out how beautiful the the setting was with the sun setting, and it was just, I mean, it really was spectacular. <laughs> I gotta say, I I think the coolest part for me was sailing around um, from Sorrento and sailing around the Amalfi Coast and going past Capri right as the sun was setting and it went behind one side of Capri. And if you've ever seen the island of Capri, it's in the shape of uh, an alligator's head. And it went down over the nose and that finished going down as we passed it over the back of the head. And it was just like insane. And I just was so sad that my husband wasn't there, but it was And so did you have food pairing along with this wine? We didn't for the classes. No, we would discuss food pairing, but we did not have big foods. We just had little snackies. So we would have... For instance, calabrese salami for maybe um, something that was a richer, riper red. We would have um, little pieces of prosciutto, maybe a little bit of cheese, and some local breads. Keep We kept it very simple because it was usually late afternoon, uh, right about the time they were going to be getting ready to prepare for dinner shortly after. So we kept it really simple. Usually the classes were about 4 to about 5.30 or so. Okay. Yeah. And you said that... It wasn't just wine that you had other yeah. events where you had whiskey. And- yeah, we did some cool late night tastings. And it was the the funniest challenge, of course, standing right in front of the, the DJ Craig, who became my buddy because, man, those speakers right in front of both were right by both of us. And I'm trying to yell out, you know, information about the differences between these two grappa, <laughs> between the limoncello and um, talking about whiskeys. Uh, over the very loud music while people are, you know, also you'd think dancing, but they were riveted by these tastings. They loved it. We did a whiskey and cookie pairing where we'd have some single malt scotches. We had some bourbon. We had um, an Irish whiskey, and then we were pairing them with four different types of cookies. No, they were not from Sweet Cheeks, but they were from uh, a French chef, and I probably should have just had him make the cookies that he normally makes, but man, that macadamia nut cookie he made was just beautiful with uh, almost every scotch that we had there. It was, or every whiskey that we had there was great. And then we had some wonderful limoncello one night. Uh, we were, like I said, right off the coast of Sorrento. So we had a limoncello that we went into Sorrento town to buy. We also had some on the ship that they sold from Amalfi. And that is uh, southern, southwestern Italy is the the famous location for 
a lemons besides Sicily, but limoncello specifically is from that region, and it was delicious. And these folks that you were dealing with were basically financiers, investors, insurance involved in that industry? Yeah, mostly they were their top salespeople and then uh, all the basically all the execs from the company. So from the CEO and president down to um, there was this guy who we laughed. He was honestly the best dancer I have probably ever seen. Um, also happens to be an unbelievable sales guy. And I think he, they said he had been with the company not more than, I want to say six years. It was something crazy. And he sold $11 billion in life insurance. I was like, how wow. is that even humanly possible? But he's their top sales guy for, I mean, he got some big award. They were giving out awards one of the first nights and um, really impressive and just a sweetheart of a guy and engaged. His fiance was there. So we got to talk about weddings and yeah, he was cool. He looked a little like Pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so are they getting their cake from Sweet Chicks? They don't live here. They Almost everybody on the boat lives in Pennsylvania. Yeah, some of them, mm. a couple in Phoenix, a couple around the country, but most of them, the, the company's based in Pennsylvania. Talk a little bit about the concept. I know when we talked earlier, you told me that when people are entertaining salespeople, they're usually thinking about cabs and that sort of thing. And you wanted to give them a different mindset what was that yeah well you know you do yeah you have these a lot of these it's a very male dominated society i would say that what their industry is there were definitely some women who were just amazing that were on that boat but in general they tend to be male i have found in my own personal experience most of my friends especially and these are all americans you know the guys on board most of them not all tend to be more drawn towards the big jammy or fruit bomb cabs or blends the big famous names and I did have um, quite a few of the clientele were talking about that. That's what they normally would show off to a client. They'll take them to a steakhouse. They'll order a big Camus cab or something like that, knowing they're going to spend a few hundred bucks on it. And it's something they're familiar with. They feel comfortable ordering it, even though it's expensive. They know what they're getting. And I, so I was challenged with a few of them who were sitting in my classes. They they chose to come to the classes and I'd say, okay, let's try this. Let's Let's see how, when you sit, you're not going to just sit and drink this Italian, for instance, uh, Chianti Classico or Vino Noble de Montepulciano. So when you get into Tuscany, most of most of the Italian wines, but in Tuscany, for instance, you've got beautiful, beautiful wines, but they're very high acid. And when I say that, I don't mean high acid, it's going to burn your throat. I just mean high acid. The balance in them is very different from what we have here in the US as a general rule. So they are not designed to sit and throw back three glasses and just drink and talk. That's not the way they're made. They're made to pair with their foods. Their foods have been paired like this for, what, 2,000, 3,000 years? Mm -hmm. They kind of have that down. Like That's what they do. Whereas we have the fruit bombs with this beautiful sunshine in California, we have this ability to make something that has just the – I call it a meal in a glass. So if you go to drink one of these fruit bombs from California – I don't say fruit bomb in a negative sense even. It's just, it is meant to, it's very easily just drunk on its own. And I think partly we have the benefit of the sunshine, but partly it's a different species and they have different reasons for for drinking. Do you think one's better than the other or are they it's just It's a personal different? preference. They're different. And I think that some of the big California cabs and um, the big marriages, marriage blends, you know, 
they're wonderful with things like steak or fatty foods, especially when they've got those high, the high tannin content can really cut the fat in a fatty steak. But I also think that sometimes, and we've talked about this in some of our other um, discussions, is that they're so, uh, some of them are so over the top, whether they be red or white, that they overwhelm the food that you're eating often. And that's what makes them great on their own. Just drink a big, heavy, oaky Chardonnay or big, buttery Chardonnay. But if you try to pair that with a lot of delicate fish, you're not going to taste the fish anymore. You're just going to taste the Chardonnay. Whereas if you take a beautiful Etna Bianco, uh, which is one of the wines we poured, for instance. So these lovely, bright, acidic, minerally whites that are made all along the hillsides of Mount Etna in Sicily. And they're made with grapes like Cattarato and... um, Oh my gosh, my brain just shut down. But uh, Inzolia and Cattarato. Cattarato is the main one. Um, Anyway, they are super light and vibrant and clean and and just wonderful with food. They are not necessarily something just to sit on the deck and drink a whole bunch of it because it is high acid and it is high mineral content. It wants to pair with something like a fish or even a salad it can it can handle those kinds of foods beautifully and won't overwhelm it. It just marries lovely with it. So did you feel like you got any takers on this? Did you I make did. any converts? I did. I made quite a few actually. There was still this one guy and I actually did a post about him. I just I really liked him. His name was Joe. He's actually an Italian uh heritage, you know, he's got an Italian heritage, but he is 100% driven on that on that Camus cab and we ju- we chuckled about it. And he liked the wines, but he wanted them to be that big heavy style. And I said, "Okay, do me a favor and and just taste this taste this wine. We had a, a lighter Pinot Noir from up north, uh, northeastern Italy. I said, will you just taste this with a little piece of the um, prosciutto and see what you think? And automatically he went, oh my gosh, I get it. Okay, this goes really nicely. And the prosciutto is not something you would pair with a big, heavy wine. You couldn't. But with that wine, it was beautiful together. I said, why don't you picture this as a, a starter before you would have maybe a big meal, wouldn't this be a, a prettier option than ordering a big wine and you drink that before you even go into dinner? He's like, that, now I understand. I get it. Like that, that does make sense to me. So even though he is necessarily drawn to those bigger reds, he was excited to understand that there are alternatives for maybe a different part of the meal, even if that's what he would like to have when it's all said and done. So even so, he was like, he was probably my hardest my my toughest student. And you said most of them were from Pennsylvania. Do you think that being from that part of the country had anything to do with that mindset? I really don't know because they're from, you know, they're from Philly. There's a lot of Italian influence on the East Coast. I, I really don't know. I think it's just a matter of when you're in sales, and I, I've been in sales before, and you, you are trying to entertain and you're trying to make it as easy on yourself as possible. And at the same time, really impress a client. So sometimes you feel like you have to go for the big, the big wow factor. So what I tried to tell them was another great wow factor when you go out, if you know where you're going and maybe it's a place you have or have not even dined before, do yourself a favor and call ahead. Ask A if there's a sommelier, speak with them or ask if you can have a, you know, a couple suggestions from their wine list before you even get there. And that way, not only to me, it it actually makes you look good when you go to a nice restaurant and you ask to speak to the sommelier and then you can choose because I think it makes not only the client has is impressed by the fact that you're willing to look to an expert. You don't, they don't expect you to be an expert when you're a life insurance salesperson, 
But the fact that you're willing to show that you respect someone else's expertise, I think that shows very well to you. And if you don't feel like you want to have that, you want to just be the expert for them, fine. Call ahead and say, here's my budget. Here's what I'd like to look for. I'd like to show something a little bit different. Maybe something, you know, what do you have off, say, the Italian wine list or the French wine list that falls in this price range? So you're going to find a lot of great options the Italian list. Like grab a beautiful Amarone or, you know, Brunello di Montalcino is a little bit of an easier um, go-to these days for a lot of people. They're familiar with that. They're familiar with the term Super Tuscan. It sounds special. It has a name often. So I think it people can still get that wow factor and feel like an expert if they call in advance. And that way they don't have to sit there with this, you know, 200 page wine list in front of them and panic. Like, I don't know how to pick. And they go, boom, they're just going to pick Camus Cabs. That's what they know. And it's right there. And, you know, it's easy. Hmm. Nothing against Camus Cab. It's just, it's fun to branch out is all I'm saying. Right. And during your branching out, what would have been your favorite wine there and why? You know, we so the first day when we got to Rome, um, I got there in the morning. They lost my bag. I spent an extra hour and a half at the airport trying to hunt down my bag. I was totally worked over, exhausted, and I said, okay, what do we need to do today? And one of the things we realized was that the, the ship did not have certain wines that we really needed to have. So president of the company specifically requested Etna and specifically requested um, an area called Bulgari, which is part of the, it's the west coast of Tuscany. I said, okay. So what I know from their wine list, they don't have these things unless we're spending $200 a bottle from their connoisseurs list. So we all decided, right, we need to go shopping. Well, Rome in August is closed. Let's be honest. I mean, I don't know if anyone realizes this, but you don't go to Rome or any of the big cities in Italy in August. It's Ferragosta. It's a smack in the middle of the month. It's their national holiday. Thank God we were staying at a very American hotel, the big Western Excelsior. Happened to be that because it's a very tourist-driven hotel, two doors down was this wonderful wine shop. Probably a little overpriced, but wonderful. The guy in there, Romano, was just lovely. So we got to spend two hours. I woke up the second I knew I could go wine shopping on someone else's dime. I tell you what, I <laughs> I'd had no sleep and I was so excited. So we went in there and we had to pick out some Etna and some Tuscan. So this guy was so cool. He loved us. We were there already an hour. He popped open a beautiful bottle of red. And we start looking at wines and he actually pulled a few, I said, would you help me pull a few uh, labels that I'm not maybe familiar with? So I told him what we were looking for. A lot of this done in a little Italian English combination. And he pulled a wine from Etna I'd never heard of. Girolamo Russo was the producer. G-I with the, G-I uh, was the first part of the name. Girolamo Russo. Such a great name. Anyway, um, I'd never heard of this producer but he didn't have enough of the one that we were picking. So I said, all right, well, let's just get one more bottle. Wouldn't you know it, that ended up being my favorite bottle of the whole, of the whole trip. Of all the wines I got was this random bottle that had to be kind of like a fill-in. So what I did, this was during our tastings. We did some other tastings also while they were having dinner. And um, so I pulled open this bottle after we'd already done our Sicilian class. I had a little extra and I had this bottle. So my, my people, some of my people who were my best people that would come to the classes, who knew who I was, um, they were excited. They kept coming over during the rest of the trip. Aline, what are we going to order? What are we going to order? And they said, what do you have? What do you have? And I said, you got to open, you got to taste this wine. And I poured it for a whole bunch of the people. We just poured small amounts, like little, you know, two ounce pours. And they kept coming back. Please tell me you have more of that wine. I was like, I don't, I'm sorry, but. So that's what you would have brought 
us if you had brought us something today, right? Well, I don't right? even know if it's exported. So now I got to find it. <laughs> I got to see if anyone sells it in the U.S. So funny. And apparently he's one of the top rated, um, some of his high end, meaning his single vineyards, I would say, um, are some of the top rated wines in Sicily. Isn't that cool? So anyway, I'm ex- I'm sh- I have a feeling we can probably find it. It's probably here somewhere. So anyway, that that was really fun was to show off that stuff. And then I'd have, once I was there for a couple of days, and how long were you gone? How I, long were you on this on this cruise? The cruise was seven days. I was gone ten, you know, including travel or eight days. Maybe the cruise was eight days. And uh, one of the VIP execs had a big um, hosted table right by my little tasting table one night, and he would he just sent some, one of the servers over and he said and uh, they said, "Hey, Mister So and So, really wants you to pick a wine for him." He and his wife, you know, I said, well, what do they normally drink? I mean, I, I can't just randomly pick a wine for them. What are they eating? What are they? Well, and then thankfully, my friend Pam, who knows this group for now for 20 years, she said, his wife loves Pinot Noir. I said, done. Okay, so we open up we open up the wine list, and I'm looking at the options, and he was not afraid, of course, to order off the kind of Sura's list, which helps, and I ended up picking him a Frank family Pinot Noir. And uh, I really wasn't sure because they had so many, you know, there were so many wines on this list, but not a ton of, of California Pinot that I felt comfortable with. Anyway, so they send over this bottle of wine. Both the husband and wife turn around and look at me and start applauding. They were so excited. And as much as it seems like I, I wish I'd picked something more unique, they said, you have no idea how happy we are to see this wine. We are actually on their wine club list. <laughs> Are you drinking at home all the time? I wish I'd picked something else. They said, I don't know how you picked this off of all this whole wine list that you just picked this wine for us. But they were just mesmerized. So then I could do no wrong. <laughs> well, that's it, was, great. it was really fun. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the atmosphere, the environment there. Um, In Italy or on the boat? On the boat. Okay. Um, I would say it was a combination of uh, now, granted, because I was working, I was not a guest, so right, yeah, right. Well, I was sort of working. I was, I was sort of in between a VIP in a way. I was like a, I was like a visitor. Um, I was the what do you call it? The talent, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So they treated me really nicely, but everyone got treated nicely. I mean, I from you know, it didn't matter from whom, but um, there was there was a little panic, I will say, and that was something to see to see my friend and these other people just kicking into gear and figure things out in a very stressful situation. They, with this turnaround that we couldn't stop in Sorrento the first day, they actually had to go back to Naples. It was a huge deal because a lot of money had already been spent in Sorrento to reserve big villas, to reserve bands, all sorts of things, stages and um, transportation on and on was all organized around the fact that the boat would be, anchored right there but it wasn't so everything now an hour and a half later north in naples can't these these vip clients don't want to be bussed two hours back and forth to dinner each way it's just not feasible so basically their whole team of the work people i mean they were unbelievable just constantly on the computer and phone calls and and running around to restaurants and trying to find anything in naples that would be suitable for these people and now you've got to find dining for 260 guests and it has to be special it can't just be sent until you know she's asking me i'm listing my favorite pizzerias in naples because they're amazing but that's not what they were looking that's not what they need you know they need something fabulous and boy they were just so impressive to see all that happen and the stress that they went through 
was enormous, but they got it. And every guest that I saw the next day said, oh my God, our night was incredible. So that was pretty cool. It was kind of like uh, in the wedding industry, we see that, you know, when you have a day where the client has 250 guests, they didn't plan for rain and it rains and everything's outside, you know, and you've got to, you better hope you've got a good planner to bring all that, figure that all out on the spot, you know, or that morning. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. When you talked about purchasing all that wine, how much money did you spend? Honestly, really not a lot. In that store, we spent 350 euro, but we bought quite a bit of wine. I would say we, I think we got about 16 bottles. No, about 20, about 20 bottles. So I didn't think that was bad. On no, the sh- it doesn't sound like it at all. But you know, if you bought that in a restaurant or on mm-hmm. a ship, you know, picture going to a high-end hotel and what you're going to pay per bottle, you know, it would have been a whole different ballgame. So the ship was very kind to let us to bring some of those on because we tried to order some things in advance, but um, it just couldn't get to the ship in time. A lot of it was very last-minute requests by the company. So um, we just did our best to to handle any, you know, anything that was bombarded back and forth with us. We just tried to handle it. And we did. We did. It was, everyone was really great. So are we going to lose you now and you're just going to go and do cruises all over the world? I know. That's what everybody said. And actually, the guy, one of the guys from Silver Seas was so sweet. He said, you know, Elaine, you need to come back and do some more work with us. It's like, oh, you know, maybe let's talk for off season. I would love to go back a couple of times. Um, I would love to do, if I could, my perfect world would be to do an event like that maybe four times a year, um, 10 times a year if it was something local stuff and over, you know, overseas or somewhere else. Um, I love to teach. I still, you know, I teach anyway on the side um, with just small, you know, small groups or people I know or friends of friends or whatever. Um, and that's, it's really fun for me. So I would love to teach more, but I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm leaving the, my business anytime soon. Well, just next time you'll have to make sure that all the baked goods come from Sweet Cheeks. Well, I tried to bring cookies, but you know, to travel overseas with them in my bag and I'd have to, we didn't know how many people would show up because it was these open tastings to all the guests. So I really wasn't feasible to bring 500 cookies in my bag. And the food <laughs> from my oh, vantage food. point, how was the food? The on food this was cruise? outstanding. The food was outstanding, and I I was so excited. I would just wake up excited with glee to go just to go to the little buffet, and it was a small buffet, but the freshness, oh my god, the freshness of the fruits, and I was making myself little Greek watermelon salads with beautiful fresh cured salmon and olives, local olives, and they had wonderful pastries, of course, because the it's a French chef, and I have to say they were exquisite. And then they had an amazing sashimi station at lunch. Oh, it was wonderful. And they were were they bringing food on board every, at each stop? Or? I do not know that. Mm. I was not involved. You know, I never even got to go into the kitchen. I wanted to do that. I wanted to go see it. Yeah. I was mostly uh, I was mostly working either in they had a big observation lounge or up in the nightclub. Well, uh, I <laughs> and our producer both say that if you ever do this again. We want to go. I know this. I know this. We got to figure out a posse. We got to figure out a way to sell the package. Okay. <laughs> Don't think I haven't heard that from my yoga instructor and my many other people. Yeah, yeah. We put together a whole package I know. on that. that. Be cool. Okay. Well, you've been on the front burner, and we t- had some fun today hearing yeah. about how Ari Lane is. I've been on the front burner. Number one. <laughs> so yeah, you've been on the front burner, and thank fun. you so much. You're so my, absolutely my pleasure. That was fun. Thanks, Don. Okay. We'll see you next time.